Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me just pray over us one final time before we begin this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, these students. We thank you for the years of faithfulness, Father, for what you've done in their hearts up to this point, how you've directed their paths, Father, and you have laid out for them a bright future. Lord, I pray over the next several years, Father, you would continue to make yourself known to them very clearly. May they sense your power. May they sense your presence. May they be blessed, Father, with a, with a strong faith, a desire to follow you, a desire to trust you, a desire to love you, a desire to continue to give their hearts and their lives to you, Father. Bless them in what they do. I pray that the message they hear this morning would be challenging to their hearts, would provide them with some guidance and direction, and I pray you'd be honored and glorified, Father. As we hear your word this morning, may we be transformed more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, I didn't want to miss the opportunity of saying, obviously, congratulations congratulations to the graduates. But we all know, parents, it's not... Uh, an individual mission, right? There's a team that supports these guys at home with family. So if you're a family member, mom, dad, grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, stand if you would, please. Let's just stand up, moms and dads, aunt, grand, grandparents, aunts, uncle. Let's congratulate these guys on job well done with these students. We're going to have a, just a fun time of celebration with these guys at lunch. And they're going to have an opportunity to see some slideshows and some more pictures and, and see some, uh, hear some stories and eat and fellowship. And we're just excited. But I, I wanted to take the opportunity. It's not very often I get a chance to have all the seniors down front talking to you with your undivided attention. Right? I hope you give me that for the next few minutes. I won't be long. I won't be boring. I hope. But I wanted to challenge you with something this morning. I, and I want to understand as we preach and think this morning. This is designed for these guys, but it applies to all of us because it's from God's Word. But over the next several years, parents, we all know that this is a time of transition for these students. We understand the decisions they make in the next several years will affect them for the rest of their lives. You're going to be thinking about things like college. Most of you guys have chosen a college already or a career path. You're going to be thinking about who you're going to marry. You're going to be making pretty significant decisions over the next four to five to six years. And the way in which you make those decisions, parents, you can back me up on this, the way in which you make those decisions will affect the next many years of your life. Am I right? It's an important time. And so I want you to hear from God's Word. I don't want you to hear from me. I don't want you to hear my personal opinion. I don't want you to hear your parents' personal opinions. All those things matter. But what's going to matter most to you in your life is what God's Word says. And so I want to think this morning about a time of transition because that's what you're in in your life. I want to think about a passage of Scripture that talks about transition and very specifically speaks to a young man about transition and about how the Lord wants to lead him. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to Joshua chapter 1. 
Joshua chapter 1. I think it was neat. At least three of you guys chose this verse as the verse you wanted to read. I was excited to hear that because God's got some interesting things to say in the first part of the book of Joshua. Let me just give you a little bit of background before we get into it together. In the book of Joshua, the children of Israel have already wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. They've gotten close to the promised land. God hasn't let them in yet. But there's a transition taking place. This is important for us to understand. God called Moses to lead them out of the captivity in Egypt. God has now called Joshua to lead them into the promised land. So there's this transition, this mantle is being handed kind of from one generation to the next, from Moses to Joshua, from the older to the younger. It's kind of like you guys now. You've been led up to this point by your parents, by your aunts, by your uncles, by your friends, by the people of this church. And we're still going to be here for you, by the way. We're not just kind of letting you go. But you've been led to this point, but now it's a moment of transition for you. Because you're going to move out of your house, you're going to kind of get into the world, you're going to start a career, things are going to be different for you. And so in the moment of transition, I want you to understand what God said specifically to Joshua in his time of transition as not only a reminder to him, but a reminder to you. Like how should we live our lives for the next several years? What should you be doing on a regular basis? To seek the Lord, to trust the Lord, to hear from the Lord, to make wise decisions in the next few years of your life. So we're going to look this morning, Joshua chapter 1, just three verses, verses 7 through 9. I'm going to read them. We're going to work through them a little bit together. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. These are the words to the Lord, from the Lord, speaking to Joshua as he's about to take over leadership of the children of Israel, lead them into the promised land. The words of the Lord. Only, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So graduates, I want to give you some truth right out of God's Word that's going to help you navigate the next few years, hopefully help you make some godly decisions that are really going to affect the rest of your life. So there are three truths I want you to get this morning. Here's the first one. We have it on the screen right out of Joshua 1, 7 through 9. Truth number one. The Lord provides us with strength and courage. The Lord will provide us with strength and courage. He says, right in verse 7, be strong and courageous. Now this isn't the first time the Lord commanded the Jewish people to be strong. In fact, the Shema, I've preached on this before, Deuteronomy chapter 6, is one of the most important passages of Scripture to the Jewish people. They would read it over and over again. They would read it to their children. It was part of their home. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your, here's the word, strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your heart. God says, listen, one of the things you ought to be doing is loving me with all of your strength. You need to be trusting me. You need to be following me. Here's the thing we need to understand. It's easy sometimes to find strength in the Lord when things are good. It's difficult sometimes to find strength in the Lord when things are bad. We understand what it's like to follow the Lord and trust the Lord in good times, 
But the real question for us, and moms and dads, we can kind of test to this because of the experiences of life. The real question is, what are we going to do with the Lord when things get bad? When the struggles come? Are we still going to trust Him? Are we still going to follow Him? Are we still going to love Him? He says, listen, we need to be strong and courageous. I, I looked up the definition of courage. The definition of courage is strength in the face of difficulty, danger, or pain, fearless, brave, valor. One writer explained it like this. He said, it's the quality of mind or spirit that enables us to meet danger, opposition, or the challenges of life with fearlessness, calmness, and firmness. Someone who has courage may still be afraid, but through the power of God can act with confidence. Now here's the problem you're going to run into. You're going to walk out into a world, a college campus, and many of you guys have already experienced this on your high school campus. You're going to walk into a world where people just kind of want to fit in. They want to kind of go along to get along. They do the popular thing. They do what everybody else is doing. They kind of look at the world and political correctness, and that's who they want to be. We don't need more people that go along to get along. We need people that are willing to be strong and courageous for the sake of Christ. That's who we need. And, and I don't want to kind of over-dramatize this or, or be cheesy about this, but you're the hope of the future. <laughs> you understand that? Like in a few years, you guys are going to be standing where I'm standing. You're going to be standing where our deacons and our Sunday school leaders are. We, we, we've got to raise up a generation of students. We need a generation of students that are willing to be strong and courageous for the things of the Lord. There's great strength in knowing. Some of you already have experienced this. Some of you have not. But there's great strength in knowing that you're walking in God's will. Knowing that you can navigate and weather the storms of life. Our family had the opportunity this last week to be in Florida. We had a chance to go down for a few days. And really from, from uh, Tuesday night until about Saturday, we were down there and had a great time. Beautiful location. But we had the chance a couple years ago to go to the same place. And we were there two years ago. We decided, and you'll appreciate this, uh, you'll laugh at this, parents. We decided we wanted to rent a pontoon boat for the day. Uh, being the great seaman that I am and knowing all I know about the nautical rules of engagement, we rented a boat and took it out onto the large bay where there are big ships out there. And I thought, you know, no big deal. I mean, I can... I can forward and reverse and drive. It's no big deal. We'll be fine. Well, we got out in the middle of this pretty sizable bay. This is two years ago. And unbeknownst to us, a storm was brewing. We didn't know anything about it. I should have checked the radar, the weather. We probably would have known better. We get out in the middle of this thing, and a storm comes up. And I don't just mean a little rainstorm. I mean a lot of wind. A lot of wind, a lot of rain. We're in a pontoon boat with my kids. We've got bathing suits on, expecting to have just this fun, relaxing day out in the water. Probably four or five foot high waves. I mean, it was significant. I mean, the boat, we ended up just kind of docking over on a, just a kind of a secluded area. And literally, we had one umbrella we hid under for about an hour to the rain. It's just really exciting. Just a great day for us. But it was, it was scary. It was fearful. Have you ever been out on a little pontoon boat on a large bay in Florida where a large storm comes up? It's very scary. I promise. It's scary. Well, fast forward to our last trip down there. This particular, this particular week, I was standing out on the balcony one night. We were up on about the fifth floor, and I'm looking out across. And from that height, and in Florida, because things are so flat, you can see a long way. Well, probably 25 or 30 miles out, I saw a storm. Like lightning, and it's really pretty. It's so far out, you know, it takes a while to hear the thunder. But I just sat there for probably an hour. I wanted to watch it because it was coming this way. 
And so as the storm comes in, and you can see it, all of a sudden the lights on the other side of the bay disappear. I first saw the power had gone off. What I later realized was that the storm was so dark you couldn't see through it. The wind really picked up. In fact, my kids, a couple of them went inside because it was kind of scary. But we're standing there on the balcony watching this storm come in. I just stood there, and and I watched it until it just started pelting rain, about as as, as close as I could get. Lightning's popping around. I just thought, I, I got back home, and I thought about those two moments. Like the storms were very similar. A lot of wind, a lot of rain, kind of scary. The difference is the first time when I was out on a little pontoon boat, I was scared to death. The second time, this past week, I, I wasn't scared at all. In fact, I enjoyed the storm. I watched it come in. It was very interesting to me. I started thinking, what's, what's the difference between those two storms? The storms are the same. The difference is was my foundation. You understand that? The first time I was on a moving, shaking, wind and wave blown little boat. The second time I was surrounded by hundreds of tons of concrete and steel and rebar. No way this building's going anywhere. And so I can weather and watch this storm and and really almost enjoy it knowing it's not going to affect me because of where I'm standing. Life is like that with Christ. Right adults? See, if we let the world kind of throw us around, if we don't have a a solid footing, if we don't have a firm base in life, the storms you're going to encounter over the next many years are going to toss you and turn you. You're going to be scared to death, not know where to turn. You're going to look for refuge on a small abandoned little beach so you can hide under an umbrella. That's not who you want to be. You want to find your foundation in Christ. And you want to be able to see the storms as they're coming, as they're approaching, and understand, you know what, this storm is not going to be easy. There's a lot of wind and a lot of rain and a lot of lightning. But if I've got my foundation in Christ, I can weather the storm because he's stronger than I am. He's certainly stronger than the storm. Christ says, listen, you need to find strength. You need to find courage. You find that in the Lord. Now, here's what some of you do. Okay, that sounds good. I'd, I'd like to have that foundation. I'd like to know more about how to weather these storms because you're, you're intelligent guys. You're intelligent students. You know the next several years are not going to be easy. You know the storms are coming. You're not quite sure how you're going to navigate. What do I need to do? You probably ask yourself in order to weather these storms. How do I get through these next several years? How do I make wise choices for the rest of my life? Well, look again at Joshua chapter 1 verse 7 and 8. God's going to give us just a real clear indication of what we need to do. Verse 7. Pull it up for me. Be strong and very courageous. Here's the trick. You ready for this? Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If we're thinking about being strong and courageous and building a foundation on the Lord, truth number two fits. Here's what it says. The Lord gives us success when we obey Him. Truth number two. Pull it up. Truth number two. The Lord gives us success. I may not have given it to her. I did. Maybe we have a glitch. Maybe the enemy doesn't want us to see this one. How about that? That's okay. Here it is. The Lord gives us success when we obey Him. Now I want you to go back and look. Just leave that. That's okay. Um, 
I'm going to read for you verse 7 and 8. If you have a new scripture, listen. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to listen to what the Lord says. Thinking about this idea of success and being prosperous in the midst of obedience. You understand that? Right? So, so here's the idea. We're going to be strong and courageous if we understand God's word, if we obey it, if we allow it to work in our lives. And when we do that, we'll be strong and courageous through obedience. We'll prosper and be successful. Listen to the words again. Be strong and very courageous. Being able to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand to the left hand. Right? In other words, there's a path God's given us right here. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. That you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do, there's the wording, and to obey according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet every person in here, including the adults, would say, I would like to be prosperous, I would like to be successful in life. That's what a lot of people think, right? That's, that's normal. I mean, most people don't say, yeah, I really want to be a loser. I just want to be a loser. <laughs> I want to be terrible at everything. We don't say that. We want to be prosperous. We want to be successful. The question is not, do we want to be prosperous? That's not the question. The question is not, do we want to be successful? That's not the question. The real question is, what does it mean to be successful and prosperous? So let's define prosperity, right? Let's define success because the world says success and being prosperous means money, did my mic just go out? Something's going on here. This is technology. We good now? Okay, the devil doesn't want you to hear this. I'm going to do my best to push through it, okay? The world says money, possessions, cars, houses, those kinds of things. And those are good. There's nothing wrong with those things. But oftentimes we define success like that. Oftentimes we go into college asking ourselves the question, what kind of career can I have to make the most money? What kind of career can I get that's going to make me most successful? What kind of career does everybody else think I ought to have? Those are not the questions to ask. Because we would define biblical success very simply like this. Biblical success means finding out what God wants you to do and doing it. That's success. Now that may not be success in the eyes of the world, but I'm telling you, Christ gives us a better plan here. Because the Lord's going to call you one day and He's going to ask you, what did you do to honor me? What did you do to fulfill my calling in your life? What, what did you do to bring me honor and glory? That's what the Lord's going to say. And asking questions about money and possession and fame are not going to help us get to that point. So we're, we're not called to live our life for the world. We're called to live our life for Christ. We're called to follow the teachings of the Word of God. Now here's the struggle we're going to face. We have to be ready for this, right? We have to be strong. We have to be courageous. We do that by living in obedience to God's Word. Here's the struggle we're going to have. And some of you guys have already faced this. Parents, you'll understand this especially. Over the next several years, you're going to go to school and you're going to be challenged in your faith. Right? This, this, the, these next several years, 18 to 22-ish, are the prime years for the crisis of faith. Okay, here's what that basically means. Y'all don't pay any attention to that. That's, that's going to keep going. Crisis of faith. You're going to come to this moment, if you have not already, I want you to listen to me. You're going to come to this moment where you challenge and you wonder and you're uncertain about your faith. Because what's happened up to this point is that your faith has been kind of your parents' faith, which is good. 
They've led you to a good place. They've encouraged you. They've challenged you. They've brought you to church. They've trained you. They've taught you. Their faith has become your faith. Very good. Very important. We praise the Lord for what they've done. But there's going to come a moment in the next several years where you're going to start saying, is their faith real? Like, is it true? Is it really what's going on in the world? Or is there a different path? from you? You're going to have this crisis of faith where you wonder, you're uncertain. And here's what's going to challenge you in those moments. You're going to walk into a class where there's a professor that's going to say to you, oh, the Bible's just silly. Anybody ever had one of those, by the way? Hands up all over. Raise them again. Seriously, raise them. Y'all look around. Turn around, guys. Look. I have to. It's pretty common. Right? For some reason, uh, university campuses have kind of come this, this uh, place of atheism, uh, college professors that question the validity of the Bible. You're going to be challenged in those moments. You're going to be challenged with the truth of the Word of God. You're going to be challenged with somebody, a friend or a college professor, who's going to laugh at you. He's going to say, it's silly for you to believe this. How in the world could you be willing to obey God? This thing is filled with errors. And I'll say to you what I've said to students every year for the last many years. I'm happy to have the discussion with you because there are good answers to those questions. And I have students that take me up on that. That will call me and say, listen, I had a professor say this. Can we talk through this? There are answers to those questions because this is absolute truth. I'm telling you, it's been challenged for... You know, no, no book in the world has been challenged more than Scripture. Did y'all know that? For 2,000 years, people have tried to discredit it. You know what the sales of this Bible have done? They're still the highest selling book of all time. Did you know that? No book is even close. Why? Because it's true. So here's what you need to understand when you walk in. You're trying to obey and you're trying to be strong and you want to have success in the eyes of God instead of the eyes of the world. And I'm just giving you kind of some, some simple guidance here. When you walk into that college campus, walk into that classroom and that challenge, that, that professor is going to challenge you, I want to read to you a verse in 2 Peter 3. You don't have to look there. I just want you to listen to it. I think I actually have it on the screen. Did I give you that one? There it is. 2 Peter 3. Knowing this first of all, now watch, this is important. Scoffers will come in the last days. A scoffer is somebody who just kind of says, are you serious? No, that's not true. They kind of make fun. They pick fun at. They don't believe. They're scoffing. They'll come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Right now, where is Jesus, they'll say. He said he was going to do something. He said he was coming. Where, where is Jesus? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5 is critically important, understanding their mindset. For they deliberately overlook this fact. Now, the, the King James, and some of you may be looking at the King James. I should have put King James up. I love that translation more in this particular verse because it says these people, the, the, the phrase of the King James says these people will be willingly ignorant. They're, they're intentionally subverting the truth of God, saying that the heavens existed long ago, the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God, verse 6, and that by means of these, the world that then existed would deluged with water and perish. And he's talking about the flood. He's talking about the creation. But the point of what he's getting at here is, listen, there are going to be people in the end times that are going to be willingly ignorant to the truth of God's word. They're going to intentionally set aside God's truth. They're going to question it. They're going to scoff. They're going to mock. They're going to make fun. They're going to say, you know, this is not true. Here's the problem with these people. They understand that if they hold to the truth of God's Word, they're going to be held accountable to this God. And they prefer disbelief to accountability. 
They say, you know what, I'd rather just not believe than be held accountable. Because if I'm not held accountable, I can do whatever I want to do. I can make fun, I can sin, I can live the life I want to live. And if I act like God isn't real, I'm not actually going to be held accountable. The problem is that's not what the Word of God teaches. That's not who Christ is. That's not how He calls us to live. He says, listen, you need to be strong and courageous. You need to obey my word. And when you do that, you'll be successful, not in the world's eyes, but in the eyes of the Lord. Now, let's finish this up. Look at verse 9. Pull that up for me, please. He kind of summarizes here, and then he gives us this one of those beautiful promises we find in any part of Scripture. Some of you guys used this as your verse just a few minutes ago. Joshua 1, 9, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Right? There's kind of a summary. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Truth number three. The Lord will be with us if we follow Him. See, God's got this plan for your life, students. It's laid out. He's got a clear, direct path. He wants you to accomplish these things. The question is not, does He have a plan? The question is, are you going to navigate to the point He wants you to navigate to? Are you going to get to where He wants you to go? I'm reading the book right now, 12 Strong. Some of you have probably seen the movie. Interesting book. It's a story of the attacks of 9-11. You guys, all, y'all are too young to remember that. But many of us remember vividly the attacks of 9-11. And in the weeks following the attacks of 9-11, the United States military began to kind of ramp up against Afghanistan and the Taliban. You remember Osama bin Laden and all those people. And just a few weeks after the attacks, I think early part of October of 2001, special forces had already kind of entered Afghanistan. The book is about the first 12 guys that went in. It's a fascinating account. But the interesting part so far in the book, and there's a lot of neat things that have happened, is when they first went in, there were no airstrips. There were no friendly areas. They didn't quite know where they would end up. And they'd make connection with this particular warlord in this particular part of Afghanistan, kind of ungoverned Afghanistan, harsh terrain, mountains. And the account of them flying in the helicopter was fascinating to me. Because they didn't really have any idea what they were going to encounter when they got there. I just thought about kind of our walk with Christ. They didn't know what they were going to encounter when they landed. They didn't know if people were going to be friendly. They thought they had some friends but weren't really sure. And the, the problem with landing in Afghanistan in the early part of 2001, we didn't have accurate maps. They joke in the book that the Pentagon didn't really have anything set up to attack Afghanistan. There was no plan to pull off the shelf. So all the maps were from Soviet era. They were old. The topographical stuff was confusing. They didn't quite know where mountains were. You can imagine flying in a helicopter 250 miles through that kind of terrain. And so they tell the story of the darkness. They had to be complete blackout, no lights, because they didn't want anybody from the ground to see them. They had inaccurate maps, so they weren't sure the mountains were. They're literally flying by radar, looking for peaks of mountains and trying to slide between the mountains. They're flying in a sandstorm, right? We're not making this up. Sandstorm with rain. They, they said it was like flying on the inside of a ping pong ball. That's how they explained it. Didn't know where they were going. Didn't know what. They, all they had, and this is significant, all they had was a coordinate. Here's a GPS coordinate. Land here. We're not quite sure how we're going to get there. We're not going to sure what we're going to walk through on the, on the process. We're not sure the struggles, the mountains, the, the rain, the, the, the sand, the problems with night and dark. We don't quite know how we're going to get there, but we've got this clear command to land, and we're going to get to this point, and they did. They landed safely. After 250 miles, they landed exactly on this spot. I thought, that's kind of like our walk with Christ. 
Like God says, listen, I've got this plan for you. It's over here. I need you to do this. How you navigate to that point, like the, the darkness you're going to walk through and the storms of life and the uncertainty of the next big mountain peak kind of coming out of nowhere, all those things are real. I'm going to help you and walk with you and navigate, but I want you to get to this point. But I've given you this promise, and this is so important. Pull that verse up again, verse 9 if you would. Like as you're walking through all this stuff, as you're navigating the mountains and the, and the sand and the rain and the struggles and the storms, God promises, listen, don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so I want to end with just some very practical things I want to give you. If you guys don't walk away with anything else this morning, I want you to walk away with some very practical things, just some guides for you as you go to college. Just think about, ponder these things. I've got them. Just pull the first one up if you would for me, please. Just some very practical advice for you guys. Spend time every day in God's Word. Every day. Like you don't have to spend three hours. You don't have to stand up in the cafeteria and preach a sermon if you don't want to. Start your day with God's Word. Adults, can we, can we tell them what a big deal that is? Amen? Amen. I mean, some of us kind of forgot for a few years, right, adults? Some of us forgot what that was like, and maybe you've gotten back into it, or the older you get, the more you recognize the importance of this. Just a little bit of God's Word every day. That has to be hours. A few minutes is better than no minutes. Like you ought to build into your life in college time every day in God's Word. I promise you, you will not regret it. You will not come back to me in four years and go, man, I wasted my time every day in college reading God's Word. What you'll say instead is, man, the Lord spoke to me. And here's what you're going to say, and I promise you, you'll say this. You'll say, I had no idea that there were some things I was dealing with, and I read a verse that morning God spoke directly to me about what I was going to encounter that day. It happens all the time. We need to be spending time in God's Word. Truth number two, we need to focus on building relationships with people that will challenge and help us. Like the, the, the relationships you build in college will probably be lifelong. Pick good people. Pick good people. Third truth, if you move off to college, some of you guys are going locally, some of you are going far away. If you move away, find a local church and get involved. Period. Don't say to me in four years, oh, you know, I just never, uh, you know. Don't say that to me, please. I'll help you find one. I've done that with other students. You tell me where you're going to go. I'll get online and I'll start researching. I'll give you three options. I'll call the pastors for you. I'm happy to do that. I'll help you. I'll set up a meeting with you. I will do anything you need me to do so you find a local church. But you've got to plug in somewhere. You can't be an island by yourself in a college town, a freshman, thinking you're going to be okay. Find a church, plug into the church, allow those people to speak truth into your life, hold you accountable. Truth number four, make a conscious choice to serve and follow the Lord every day. Like every day you wake up ought to be a moment of, God, you know what? I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to listen to you. I want to obey your calling today in my life. And then fifthly, think long term. One writer said it like this. Parents will understand this. Things that seem so important to us in our 20s, we can barely remember in our 40s. That's true. These are important times for you, but you've got the rest of your life long term. Like don't make some decision right now that's going to affect you for 10 years in an adverse way. Don't do that. You've got a lot of years and a lot of things to accomplish. God can do great things through you. The decisions you make now will affect those things long term. Like as I'm about to do this, how does this affect me long term? Not how it affects me now and through the weekend. 
How does it affect me long term? And this is a final challenge and encourage for you guys. You know, you're, you're going off to school. There, there are going to be moments, and, and we can attest to this as well, you're going to feel alone, overwhelmed, uncertain. A couple things I want you to know. First of all, we all love you. We're here for you. You can call me anytime you want to call me. You can text me. You can email me. I do this with students. Sometimes they'll call and just say, hey, can I talk to you about something? Absolutely. Happy to help you. Your parents are here. We're here for you. Don't think there's nobody here supporting you. There are. Don't think you're on an island. You're not. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Find courage. Find strength. Find a way to obey the Lord. Find a way to walk daily with Him. Allow Him to use you for the sake of His kingdom because He's got a big plan for you. Like I look forward, I, I got up a second ago when y'all were all across front because I wanted to get in the back. I stood in the back because I wanted to see all of y'all because you guys are going to accomplish more than any of us can ever imagine. Like I'll be gone one day, you'll still be around. There's a lot for you to accomplish. Figure out what God wants you to do and do it. You'll find no greater joy, no greater hope, no greater blessing than trusting the Lord with your life. I pray God uses you to do extraordinary things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. It's clear and understandable. It's a guide map for us, Father. It shows us how to live. It shows us how to act. It shows us how to think. It's right and it's wise and it's true. Allow us to make decisions, Father, based on your truth. Give us strength. Give us courage. Allow us to obey. Allow us to trust, Father. Allow us to hear from you. Do great and mighty things in our lives and in the lives of these students. Father, we love you. We serve you. We thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end for these graduates. So kind of hang out for that. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But this is just a time of invitation. You can come and pray. Speak to me. You respond as we sing together this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.